two, red, blue, and yellow. If each of you could hang out with a Norse god for a day, which would you choose? Pass. Pass. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't agreed on this. I'd also be running the other direction, TBH. <laughs> Not a popular crew to hang with. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue and I'm joined by Red. With the advent of cold brew coffee, I'm on an exciting new path to ruining my sleep schedule all over again. (laughs) (laughs) And a return guest on the podcast, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Hello. I have very fancy hot chocolate, uh, which is significantly better for my sleep schedule than cold brew is. I'm the odd man out by drinking some pleb tier water. Uh, so I'll need to step up my game next time. That one, <laughs> Catch me next time not having stepped tea. up my game because it'll have been two weeks and I will fully have forgotten this bit. Mm. <laughs> oh, it's been a pretty wild week on account of how it's just been, you know, Thanksgiving and all that. Lots yeah. of traveling around, seeing people responsibly wearing masks and all that jazz. Yep. Yep, always yep. good to, to be safer on the holidays. Mm. Uh, Red, we, we were able to hang out on a couple of occasions watching some some Clone Wars and had uh, yeah. an extended um, like side tangent plot between you, me, Cyan, uh, and my mother visiting a very expensive furniture store called Restoration Hardware, <laughs> which sounds like it would be like a consignment shop, like secondhand. No, this is like the fanciest shit you can buy. The long and short of it is that they have a collection of stuff full of travertine marble, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. were we were sent a, a like a catalog in the mail and they had this full page spread of like this is the marble that was used in the Coliseum I'm like I know I know I know that's the problem shut up <laughs> don't, you are, don't tell me again <laughs> you are normally such a sensible person when it comes to purchases uh, but honestly thank God for Cyan reining you in because the the four thousand dollar travertine marble coffee table possibility the, the the timeline branch that would have let us down oh uh, my god I was weak I all like I my mom was like I can buy that for you and I'm like no no, 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 it's not how this works. We can't do this. We can't open this up. I can't believe that buying the karyotid was seen as the less ridiculous possibility. Yeah, they do actually sell for a very reasonable price of $12,000. You can buy a full marble karyotid. So the joke is that we're going to buy one and put a little sign that says on loan from London. Yes, um, uh, but the real joke is we're not going to do that because that would be fucking stupid. <laughs> if we uh, actually stealth this one into the British Museum, like, theoretically, Theoretically, maybe they won't know that it's gone because they'll just be like, you know, too too distracted by the the, the stunning loss of tying in the World Cup against America. They'll be too sad to. Oh, has something been happening I'm in the sports world? I'm dating this episode with so much stuff that happened <laughs> yeah, this week. Oh my god! <laughs> oh. I, I love that. Like for one million subscribers, we were like. Haha, how silly it would be to be fancy. And now that we hit 10 years, it's like, so I was considering buying Coliseum marble coffee tables. <laughs> yeah. The, Come on, man. The story ends that I that I did not and, and will not. Yeah. But that's not why we're here today. No. Maybe that's why we're here today. But no, no. no. It, it, this cannot be why we're here today. Um, we have uh, three, uh, three wonderful people here and three different slates of videos to talk about. So, Red, bring us back uh, two weeks in time and tell us about Hera crashing Zeus's wedding. That's what happened two weeks ago. Thank you. Um, yeah, that one was a, a nice, fun, relatively short little uh, little vignette. Uh, the fun thing about Greek myths is they are either decade-spanning odysseys or they are a funny thing happened one time, and that's all you get. Uh, and this one was definitely in the in the latter category in terms of how much research I had to do to to kind of fill in what exactly was going on and make it more than just like so. This one time, Zeus and Hera had a fight, but then they were fine. The end. So uh, it was a lot of fun, and I love drawing that stupid little Daedalus statue. I, <laughs> They're so, so dumb good. looking. Our group chat was just ruined with pictures of the Daedalus statue for a solid, like, four days, Red, as you were illustrating that. Yes. And I, frankly, because of how many memes we sent back and forth, I'm surprised its presence in the video was actually as small as it was. I just love it so much. I love that dumb little noodle head. Uh, Also, uh, for those concerned, while the video was temporarily age-restricted, I think because in that one shot where I photoshopped it into the painting with Zeus, it just kind of fully looked like a big old dong. they they age restricted oh, it very quickly. That's probably um, exactly what happened. That's what I think it was. Yeah, it does look a little dongular. It does yeah, look a little do <laughs> dongular. Um, <laughs> but fortunately, uh, it, it's fine. They know it's just some good old uh, wholesome 
wife entrapment, so everything's fine. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. So uh, that that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I liked researching that one. Anything that's in Pausanias' descriptions of Greece is this fun little mix of, like, this is legit, and this is, I mean, re- you actually believe this man? Because <laughs> um, uh, sometimes he'll be like, now they have a folk belief that uh, <laughs> the king turned into a werewolf, which, as we all know, is absurd. Uh, <laughs> after all, it would be silly if anybody could just turn into a werewolf. But this other guy definitely did. <laughs> He's like, all right, Pausanias, yeah, all right. <laughs> I have um, an eyewitness account of Zeus and Hera boning on the spot right here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, boy. Source, it was revealed to me in a dream. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So I had fun with that one, and it looked like uh, most of our audience Literally, as I said it was revealed to me in a dream, I got a text from Billy, who was the guy who in the Discord all the time says it was revealed to me in a dream (laughs) as a joke, because there was actually an Egyptian source, I think Manetho, who said that. Wow, Billy, get out of my head. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, our our resident Egyptologist. Uh, Anyway, yeah, so um, that one was a lot of fun, and I love drawing that... Stupid looking little statue guy. They're just so so goofy looking. We we were genuinely like, is there any way we could like plushify this thing? Like, I mean, just look at its dumb little face. Um, it's so perfect. It's so friend shaped. It's so friend shaped. It's so huggable. And then there were the people in chat who were like, I mean, it's kind of friend shaped, but like it's it's pretty dongular. And it's like, hey, hey, <laughs> you're telling me that can't be a friend? It, it did not choose the way it was made. Um, because like it's got the little smile on it, and it's got yeah. this giant long giraffe neck, tiny little triangle arms, like a cute little skirt, and stubby little legs. Like they, I I swear the design concept for Kirby got like timeline branched back into ancient Greece with a couple of the the sliders shifted around, and they're yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that. This, this thing's like a Pokemon evolution. Like this is the uh, this yes. is the Alolan Kirby. Uh, and the, the 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 one I think I the fun fact I didn't mention in the video is that that specific Daedala is supposed to have an owl head, which is why it has the little V-shaped smile mouth because it's supposed to be a little beak. Uh, which which means what it actually is is the the tube owl. Uh, Hootie from the Owl House, um, <laughs> which is why everybody should watch that show. He's actually ancient Greek. Um, oh boy, sorry, we're we're in a bit of a weird space this uh, this pod episode. I'm genuinely struggling to remember what else happened when I made that video. I I do remember I had trouble figuring out what to title it though. Yes, because um, my my very first draft of the title is usually just like a like a description of what it is. So in this case, it's like the Daedala Festival. And that's like, nobody's going to know what that means. <laughs> Even in ancient Greece, they barely knew what that meant. Okay, what do, what else do we got? Uh, okay, uh, like the, the, the uh, Zeus and Hera have a fight. No, that's not specific enough. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, this isn't like when we were doing the, the golden net myth with Aphrodite and Hephaestus and Ares, where it was like, we could title this almost anything and it would be spicy. <laughs> like, you know, I think I just did what the Aphrodite affair or something the like Ares that. Affair, the Ares affair, because it's affair. like Aphrodite's affair. Yeah, with whom? That yeah, doesn't narrow it down. Be more specific. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So with this specific one, I was like, I was like spitballing and like number three was like, uh, Hera crashes Zeus's wedding. Wait, yes, okay. Because <laughs> um, that's the... immediate intrigue. It's mm, like, wait, yeah, they're supposed to be married. <laughs> Hold on, yeah, maximum yeah. spice for flavor. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, honestly, like the short ones are always good because I, you know, they're pretty quick to illustrate so I can kind of go ham on it a little bit. Although this one, there wasn't really much to make too complicated. Um, but what I really liked doing was at the beginning kind of being like, look, it's funny. They are kind of a soap opera, but also this was a religion. You know, gods are more complicated than just, you know, funny haha sitcom characters, uh, which is a, a complicated conversation that's much bigger than just this one video, because, of course, you know, the, the fandomification of, of world mythologies <laughs> has had some some good effects and some dubious ones. And I think uh, the the flattening of these figures down, because, you know, everyone knows that if you flatten a, a character down to just like the sort of flanderized, like, haha, Zeus is always a hornball, et cetera, et cetera, it's like... Half of that conversation is about how ridiculous and weird they act when you look at them from that perspective. And it's like, yes, that's because that's not the way they are intended to be interpreted. You're not supposed to be looking for canonicity across, you know, a thousand years of Greek mythology. You're not supposed to be pointing out like, oh, in this myth, he did this, but in this one, he did that. That doesn't make sense. What what was his motivation? It's like, what was his motivation? Uh, More like what cult was that one from versus what group was this one from versus how many centuries were in between them (laughs) like you know if you approach what was once a living religion from the perspective of a modern day book series 
you are going to be confused and disappointed and frequently angry. Uh, so that's why the way that these stories work best is frequently in isolation, which happens to be how I like telling them best. Yeah. So and I, I like the way that you kind of interpreted the, the little Pausanias snippet here, because a lot of the ways that people would have engaged with these stories in the time of this culture was like, this is a story that explains why we have this festival. This is mm -hmm. a story that explains why that mountain is shaped that way. It's it's all these little bits that act as kind of background flavor text for this this Greek world beyond the big, heady literary things that, you know, like, okay, sure. But the way that these myths really kind of ingrained themselves in everyday life was was much more minute and much more not mundane, but it was it was more like subtle that yeah. it's it's not a big tale of of these larger than than life real people it's their their ideas the gods are ideas not mm -hmm. people in no. any way yeah they have patterns across their stories ways that we can consistently predict that they might act but in the long run you know they're not people they're patterns and they represent yeah. things greater than just a single person uh which is fun and cool yeah. and i liked exploring it um no. This would normally be the moment where we transition to my video, but I think in terms of the flow of the discussion, it might be more effective to go over, Adam, to your side of things as you've been doing a stream series on the brand new God of War Ragnarok on your yeah. Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Ludo History, because this discussion actually carries over very nicely into that as we're talking about how these gods that we understand from mythology get treated as literature game figures so mm. for anyone who doesn't know you already please introduce yourself we can talk a little bit about your channel and get into some of the uh the the, the deets of, of god yeah. of war or frankly pentiment yeah. if you want to derail yeah. this which i will fully allow you to do don't worry Come on, it, man. it will get it will get derailed i have been shilling back game non-stop for three weeks i don't intend to stop now uh oh, god. but yeah we'll find a good enough segue and maybe it'll be okay exactly maybe or we'll just not maybe. segue and there'll be indigo's problem hmm. <laughs> <laughs> crime, uh, crime on set. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm Adam. Uh, I run the channel Leo History. Uh, I've been uh, streaming for about two years now. Uh, actually, you two were the ones who got me into doing this in the first place. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But currently, yeah, uh, I f specialize in history and mythology as it gets filtered through video games. So, uh, I've been playing, I play exclusively history games, loosely defined. But yeah, that mm. means right now, uh, God of War Ragnarok, which you two have graciously agreed to co-host uh, with me for that. And then uh, Pentiment, which is a game by Obsidian Entertainment, which is my favorite game ever <laughs> now. Uh, but yeah, the God of War ones have been super fun, because uh, I have a graduate degree in Scandinavian studies, and so I bring, I'm bringing on my colleagues and friends uh, who are academics and more experty experts than I am. And we've been able to have some really fun conversations uh, so far just around the game and what's going on. Because as it turns out, God of War is manipulating a lot of things in very interesting ways and very strange ways. Because, yeah. yeah, they have to change what is a extremely complex belief system into functioning characters with realistic story arcs. That's yeah. hard. So yeah. to spoil the ending of God of War 2018 and the first five hours of God of War Ragnarok. Uh, the big reveal from the end of God of War was that this Atreus kiddo is Loki, and the way that they wrap that up into the Norse myths by inserting Kratos into the role of Farbauti, cruel striker, mm -hmm. was like, oh, this is a clever thing. And then in this game, we open up with Atreus being like, who the hell is Loki? What do I do? And the way in which the character of Tyr, the god of war, and dubiously other things, but we're not, we maybe don't want to get into that, um, <laughs> shows up as a pacifist who still has both of his hands. Famously, he doesn't have one of those. We're already playing with the idea of the Norse canon and just breaking it wide open in really interesting ways. So, Adam, well, or, uh, Red. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I just wanted to say that uh, we're in, we haven't finished the game yet. I haven't been no. playing it, and neither of you who've been playing it uh, independently have yeah. finished the game yet. So, yep. at this point, none of us know what staples of Norse mythology are going to be brought into the game later. So, yeah. right now, it's sort of Schrodinger's. Uh, Chekhov's gun. Uh, I, I believe we've discussed this. Uh, <laughs> uh, because it's like, 
either the fact that Tyr has both of his hands is like, oh, they're just saying, fuck you, this thing isn't happening, or it's dramatic irony because we, the audience, are like, well, one of those hands is going to be fucked eventually, right? Like, it, like at this point in the game, Schrodinger's shotgun blanks. Mm, I, I think I saw like a like a Tumblr post that named it like Schrodinger's gun blade or something like that. <laughs> but we, we don't need to get into this. Um, the point is like Fenris like died like in the first thirty minutes of the game, so we're already like now hold on a minute. <laughs> He's supposed to be important. Uh, Tyr has both of his hands and isn't doing any war stuff. You know, yeah. all that jazz. So so right now, we don't know if the game is being clever and saving these iconic bits of Norse mythology to drop in later out of order, or if they're just saying, eh, fuck it, we've never really cared that much about the mythology anyway. I mean, Kratos murdered the entire Greek pantheon for every other game, so, you know, whatevs. <laughs> yeah. uh, so right now, we, we don't know if this is clever planting and payoff or, in my opinion slightly annoying dismissal of very cool source material just to be like, we put a Norse coat of paint over this very standard God of War, slaughter everything and sight him up. Um, they're, they're doing yeah. a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Uh, yeah. Parts I played ahead, they just fully break the mythology. Um, well, you know, you can break I mean, the mythology they, they, while still keeping the individual bits out of order. Uh, yes, but right, they, they play with it deliberately. Uh, in the last game, like killing Magni and Modi, who are yeah. supposed to survive. Uh, here, they're just randomly introducing other beings who are supposed to survive as boss fights for us to kill. So, mm. yeah. I just expect that they're just drifting farther and farther away uh, for the sake of, you know, creating interesting fights and having an interesting meditation on how these characters relate to each other. Uh, Right, doing good storytelling work, just not necessarily great mythology work or great representations of how complicated and interesting even like the very obscure figures can be. In God yeah. of War's defense, they've never really done that. Um, <laughs> no. That's very on-brand for them to be like, you, you, you like this figure? You like this figure with a complex, intricate backstory and personality? He's a straight-up dickhead now. Rip off his head and use it as a flashlight. Woo! It's like, wow. okay, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm holding out hope that they will circle back to the cool bits of the Ragnarok mythos, and it'll be like, oh, so that thing from there is actually here. Whoa! But I'm not holding my breath, and it's yeah. not going to ruin my day if they don't. But, yeah. Uh, let's um to to ask a question to get us uh, I guess slightly more onto the the subject of the the streams kind of as as a medium. Although also like Adam, if you want to go somewhere else, just yeah. like run over me and that's okay. Uh, what would you say is something that surprised you the most from the the three streams that uh, you've done so far uh, with God of War Ragnarok? Ooh, the most surprising thing. Um, some of the cuts they're making right. Uh, the, it's the duality of mythology. All the big important mm -hmm. figures get completely trampled over, uh, get introduced, get thrown away. And then they make some random, like, incredibly deep cuts uh, <laughs> that are really, like, thoughtfully done and interesting. And I'm just like, what? how am I supposed to wrap this into a coherent whole? <laughs> so the example in the game is that there's one side quest that features a being known as a Lingbacher, uh, which is described in a handful of sources as this ginormous whale that lives somewhere in the Baltic uh, that is so big that only two of it live in the entire world because it's basically the cognate to the Leviathan from the Bible or right, yeah. uh, the giant whale that sinks, that you light a fire on it and then it sinks and drowns everyone in both the Thousand and One Nights and the Navigatio Brandani. A whole bunch of sources cross-culturally have this same ginormous whale. Uh, and it shows up in this game, and it's basically spot on uh, for a lot of the concerns that people have in the period, and a lot of very contemporary concerns, all very nicely wound up together in this extremely cool, very obscure whale. I was like, well, that's cool. That is very cool. I, I enjoyed the, the section with the Lingbacher. That's in the second VOD, if any of you want to go and watch that one in particular. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. That yeah. was a good time. It I've, does kind of feel yeah. like this team is composed 
of a lot of people who are very deep into the mythology and know a lot of the fun facts about it, but ultimately the needs of the gameplay are a little bit like, you, you've got to be able to slaughter your way through a room of interchangeable bad guys or occasionally circle around an arena with one bad guy and then yes. chop its head off. Yes. Uh, so like everything can be really interesting <laughs> up to a point. <laughs> yep. But, you know, none of us have finished the game yet. We'll yeah. see how they bring it home. It'll, be, it'll uh, so be interesting. You can tune in because the series is ongoing. Yeah. The series um, is the ongoing. schedule is on our community tab if you scroll back a little bit, and then also on the Ludo History Twitter and other yes. associated accounts. Yeah. Um, yep. We'll, we'll post about it. Because, yeah, we've, we've got a crazy cool lineup. I'm so happy that all the guests agreed to. And this is only, like, the first part of having guests, I expect. Start 2023 after the holidays, we're going to get more folks on. Heck but right, yeah. we had Dr. Felix Lumer from the University of Iceland. Uh, the, just yesterday, as of time of recording, we had Luca Pinaro also at the University of Iceland. And then coming up, we've got Lynn Schoenbeck, uh, who's an archaeologist at the University of Edinburgh. And then we're going to have Dr. Declan Tigert, who's written one of my favorite books about Norse religion, period, uh, on to talk about Thor and... Uh, alternate possibilities and a lot of gaming stuff. So I'm, That's very I'm cool. absolutely yeah. delighted that they've all agreed to come on. Uh, and yeah, I'm Sweet. hoping people are enjoying that uh, idea of having actual academics come on and talk about their research. Uh, I'm having so much fun with it, getting to, <laughs> to see what's going on it's kind of new in the field, because it's been a few years since I've been in school for it. So getting to hear what people are talking about these days has been extremely fun and i'm glad that the game kind of works well enough to let them do that yeah it's a good that conduit for sure cool. and on the subject of cool people that we've met over the years <laughs> sort of <laughs> um <laughs> the other thing that we did in the last uh couple weeks uh blue uh was your idea and yeah yeah um, it was the 10th I, anniversary ish uh ish close give it a month uh. yeah yeah <laughs> next month but i mean you know 10th anniversary of the much you do about nothing video is a little like calling that the start of the channel is a little bit disingenuous <laughs> it's, it's, a little it's sort yeah. of fades in you know yeah um, it's a slow burn but yeah yeah i because this year was was fated to be um two big milestones uh in terms of one a subscriber uh mm. count uh milestone of two million of you guys hmm. wow and then also the looming 10th anniversary of the first kind of osp branded video on the channel which was the much ado about nothing of course it, it took a little while for the channel to actually take shape but yeah. that's how it always is um so that being good enough a time as ever uh it was cool to consider what could we do to celebrate the I guess achievement is a word to describe it, even though it feels yeah. a, little, a little pat on the back, uh, <laughs> to, to commemorate the fact that that happened. Um, glances at camera, <laughs> shoulder uh, shrug, like that, that happened. happened. Hey. Um, but thinking of like, well, what can we do? Not just, you know, painstakingly recount every single detail of, of our existence on this channel because- On a detailed diatribe, surely yeah, not. <laughs> no one really needs to hear that. Um, and if you care enough, then you probably already know. But constructing it as 10 lessons from 10 years as a way to frame it, I think, made the discussion a lot more interesting yeah. and, and take on a sense of, of purpose and direction beyond let's let's just talk about everything that happened in order. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. But it was, yeah. it was a really good talk. It ended up being two and a half hours of raw recording. I cut <laughs> it down to an hour 40. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I managed to keep everything nice and smooth and crisp throughout. But yeah. it was just a really nice conversation to, to go back. And it, it put me at least in a good mood. That lasted like a straight week yeah. uh, coming through the Thanksgiving holiday. So that was nice. <laughs> no, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I think that your idea to frame it as like 10 lessons slash 11 lessons, you know, if we index yeah. it zero. Double uh, was uh, was a really good one because it it helped us kind of structure the discussion uh, and the way you cut it together was very seamless. The thing that I don't think either of us were really expecting is how many people in the comments were like, "This helped me get through my art block." <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, great, that, that's that's <laughs> wonderful. Because um, like I you know I listened back through it and like you know most of our detailed diatribes kind of underperform for the first couple days because they're really big. So they're like long, if, if normally yeah. we put out videos that are five to twenty minutes and someone's like, "Oh, I can watch that over breakfast." And then we're dropping like a feature length thing in their inbox. They're like, I'll wait till like the weekend. Uh, <laughs> but um, the one thing that this thing did is that uh, the hours watched 
outperformed all our other videos start from immediately, which basically yeah. means that there were fewer people watching, but the people who were watching were watching the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, and when I had it in the background, I was like, oh, yeah, not only is this really like a seamless fun discussion it's nice to listen to it's yeah. it's so positive yeah. and just chill and that's me talking about us i was here for this conversation <laughs> i don't need to listen to it again and i'm still doing it so it, it was just this kind of like it was a really nice conversation, just kind of the retrospective. For, uh, it was interesting hearing, you know, your perspective on especially the earlier parts of things. Because, like, you know, most of this we've been, like, 100% on the same page with. But when we first were doing this and sort of figuring out how to interleave our halves of the channel, there was a lot less, like, hey, I'm doing this and I'm thinking of maybe expanding into this co uh, conversation. So sort of hearing the mindset with the benefit of hindsight was a lot yeah. of fun. We and just the number of people in the comments who were like, this really helped me like get back into the swing of things and creativity is like, wow, I'm so glad. Because <laughs> yeah. we didn't mean for that to happen, but obviously it's wonderful that that's what happened <laughs> as yeah. a result. <laughs> yeah. I, cause the funny thing, jumping back half a, half, um, uh, a thought is mm. like, We've obviously talked immense strategy since we kind of got the the vibe of the channel down with the two of us, but it never would have come up to talk strategy retroactively about a thing that happened like years before. No, <laughs> so yeah. it really was kind of funny that this is the first time we would have ever talked about like, what was it like actually starting this in 2015 the way we did with two yeah. people on this? And like um, I mentioned in the video that I, I didn't, you know, want to bring up before, like when you first approached me about joining the channel, I was wary about it because it's like, I like this guy a lot, but this is like, I, I don't know if this is going to work. Uh, obviously that wasn't like, I wasn't going to be like, I don't know if I trust you enough for this, but I've only known you five years of my life. <laughs> you have to prove yourself first yeah. with these five fetch quests. Hey, and then... kid. Yeah, so, like, obviously, like, at the time, I like, that would be rude. And then after, it's like, well, there's no point. Like, why, why would I bring that up? Everything's going great. But with the retrospective, it's like, oh, man, I almost fucked this up by not letting that happen. Um, just imagine, just... like, four years later, by the way, that was a test and you passed. Oh, <laughs> just God. in a vacuum out of nowhere. <laughs> no, what was a test? Good job. <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> God, yeah, yeah absolutely not. So. <laughs> no, yeah. no patience for that. Look, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm neurodivergent. I need you to say exactly what you mean, and then let me figure <laughs> out from there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, well, yeah. On that but, note, though, uh, I remember right. My stream actually originally pitched it to you two as like a part of your channel. On that note yeah. of being <laughs> being wary about people you like. Yeah. But then, like handing over the keys in that way is, I mean. In that case, the list I realized that it was absolutely the right call. And yeah, me doing well, my own thing works way better. Yeah, well, we had that conversation because, like, the, 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 the stuff that you do is deeper into academia than what we do. Like, we, we sort of do a lot of things on the surface with, like, little dives into individual parts. And you're a lot better at getting, like, very methodical and in the weeds and in space where, like, my eyes glaze over, like, two levels down <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Blue struggles with anything outside of the Mediterranean. So, um, and when we were having this conversation, like the thing is not, not to like pull back the curtain too far, but it's a fairly regular occurrence that someone will be like, hey, I want to join your channel. I have an idea for what I can do and it would be my niche. And we're almost always like, that sounds like you already know exactly the kind of content you want to create and you should just do that without you know, making yep. us your bosses. Um, <laughs> like, we, we know our limits and we know we're not good manager material. Like, we, we discussed that in the video. Like, it's like, I like doing what I like doing and I don't like having to talk to people to do it. Um, <laughs> and uh, when we were talking to you specifically about this, it's like, it sounds like you know exactly what you want to do and it's not what we do. So mm -hmm. if you do your own thing and then we sort of just help get the word out about that, that sounds like it's win-win. And it's worked quite well so far. It's, it's honestly worked super well and... Right, the long-form content is just something that, I mean, with the podcast now branched out to, but back in, what, 20, like, early 2019 when I pitched that, mm -hmm. that yeah. was not something that really was happening yet. No, uh, not so much. On this channel. Like, even, <laughs> no. even Detailed Diatribes podcast, even the longer streams, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Apart from God of War 2018, really weren't happening. out. No, yeah, not I, so much. I think what was what was really cool about the the way that you do your stuff and how it it probably would not have gelled on a like OSP branded stream space is like the idea of bringing in guests. It just doesn't fit our like format really in the same way at all but with your streams it is so seamless and yeah. smooth we're also yeah. bad at dealing with like uh <laughs> coordinating with uh with collabs and guests and stuff we've done it yeah. a few times and the ones that we've done we like 
but it's but, we're, we're just bad at it. Yeah, <laughs> J- so jumping back it. up to, to yeah. the, the broader lesson before we, we move on to the next section of the podcast, I think that like the idea of framing it as lessons because there's a lot of like, oh, you know, how do I start a YouTube channel? And there's a million things you can do for how to start a YouTube channel, but as soon as you have more than a hundred subscribers, no one has any advice for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a billion, here's what camera to get to start. It's like, okay, great. Yeah. How do I actually make art? And how, it's like, <laughs> how do you start is one thing, but how do you continue? That's the really hard part. And I, this is just kind of a, a quick thing. I promise Indigo, I'm sorry. <laughs> no death threats required. Um, but uh, when you're doing work on art, like one of the first hard things to learn is that there's going to be busy work that you have to slog through. There's going to, you're going to reach a point where you're just sitting there and adding in like talky frames or you're just doing all the line art over your sketch or you're, you're just paint bucketing in all the colors and that's not going to be super fun but it is going to be necessary to make mm-hmm. the product that you want as good as it is the art that you want sorry framing it as a product is a little bit weird but you know in the space of the content finished creation, thing. the finished <laughs> thing um and uh you know being able to get through that space without burning yourself out and without phoning it in is like the hardest thing you can learn and that's the thing getting started there's tons of advice for that keeping going, that's kind of muscle memory you sort of need to learn yourself yeah. uh, because it's based on what you can actually do, you know, your own comfort levels. You set the pace that you can maintain. It's like doing a marathon, you know? You can't sprint the whole way. Yeah, so yeah. it was it was nice to do that video and I'm really glad that, that we ended up um, constructing it in that way. And it's, yep. uh, it's a good thing that I'm glad exists because it's a, it's a cool peek back at the curtain that even on the podcast, we don't get to go an hour and 40 minutes in depth worth. But speaking of, of podcast, we need to move along on this one. Uh, a couple <laughs> quick announcements. Uh, first up is that uh, twitch.tv slash Luda History. The God of War streams are rolling along. Uh, follow the, his Twitter account. Uh, also, if you follow our Twitter account, we'll tweet out when we jump on for the next yep. stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, those have been super fun, and there will be plenty more uh, of that along with other games as well, such as Pentiment. Very good. Go play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then additionally... Um, uh, you're going to hear me talking about this all December long. Got pins. Um, yeah. We've sold through uh, our stock of the special 10th anniversary gold pins. Um, and that was very exciting. We're glad that we were able to do that. But we now are, are proud to bring you the original pins yeah. that you may need to be getting for your collection if you're missing a couple or want to, you know, like get up to date and don't want to have like half of them be gold and half of them be regular. So yep. the regular pins are in stock for the rest of the year. If you are a patron, you still have a discount code that you can use for 25% off. That will be good through the end of the year. Um, And uh, otherwise, um, pins. Yeah. (laughs) Buy them now. So that way, when people email us in, like, January, like, hey, I missed the pins. I'm like, I'm fucking sorry, (laughs) man. I can't do anything about that. I did everything (laughs) I could. But yes, uh, so for basically uh, for... Just for the little bit of context, in case you missed it, we did a special 10th anniversary run where we did all of our divine Olympians plus Loki. Uh, but instead of the black metal outline, we used gold, and they were very pretty, but they weren't everybody's flavor. So if you were looking at those and you were like, they're a bit much, the ones that have the black outline are back. So check those out. Yes. And with that, let us move to the Q&A portion of the podcast. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first on a future episode. Uh, this question comes from Darius Sobritus. To all, what are some takes or opinions in your respective fields that you've changed feelings on? Mm. Ooh, that's a great question. Yeah. So I guess in this case... History, Norse stuff. None, because I've never been wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The interesting thing is, I'm trying to remember specific examples, because I have at times, like midway through a script, realized I've convinced myself to change my mind about something. Um, I I think I've generally gotten a little bit less judgmental about media. Uh, When Mm. I started out, like that that was a time when, um, at the very beginning when I started doing Trope Talks, I was like big into... uh, Channel Awesome and Cinema Sins, and uh, those were. have a, a tone of critique that I sort of came to the conclusion that I wasn't about. That I, I much preferred the uh, the Cinema Wins approach, where you 
you know, you, you look for the good even in things that are bad. You know, you find, like, what were they trying to do and what worked? I personally find that style of criticism and analysis a lot more interesting now. Uh, but at the time, I was all over, like, yeah, let's point out that that thing's dumb. That's great. And I just kind of... Ding. Don't, yeah, and I, I just... I, that's just not my flavor anymore. Um, so yeah. in my own analysis, I try to... Like, I will occasionally be like, God, that's stupid and that's so funny. But I will also try and, like, point out, like, this is, this is a thing they tried to do that worked even in this movie that's bad. Um, yeah, so I guess that's me, basically, just trying to be a little more positive in, in, while criticizing things. You know, you can still get the same amount of important information about how the thing is constructed out of it without being unnecessarily mean. That's very fair. Yeah. I, I can guys. definitely point to a <laughs> yeah. sort of complexity that evolved in my opinions about Greece and Rome, uh, which is that at first I was like, it's cool, because I I thought they were very boring, and then eventually I was like, oh, wait, this is actually kind of neat. And I had to kind of come to terms with, like, this is a thing that, you know, far up uh, back on the timeline is, you know, where part of my family came from, uh, way, 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 way the hell back. Um, and like, I asked me, you know, my mom was born in Greece. This is part of like my culture. It's like, okay, yeah, but like I was born in America and I didn't really get a lot of that. But like, as I decided, oh wait, I can actually enjoy this thing. This is pretty cool. I, Cleo, I'm gonna need you to not, Cleo's <laughs> knocking a crinkle ball all around Let my office. Crime. Um, I kind of had to temper my own excitement for this thing that I just discovered and thought was super cool and fun and wanted to tell the world about with the fact that um, these societies were full of terrible people and did terrible things and the people nowadays who think that these societies were not full of terrible people who did terrible things and were in fact full of the best people who did the best things not because they were the best but because those people are the ones who did it yikes um, I started to learn how to push back on that by coming to the conclusion that I can simultaneously recognize the things about ancient Greece and Rome that are really, really cool while also laughing in their face about the things that are dumb, which is a very effective way to disarm the ideology around people from those ethnicities um, <laughs> back then and now. Uh, and, and that kind of softening of my, my opinion into a more nuanced, like, what is my relationship to these cultures that I'm studying? And do I have to be their cheerleaders? No. Uh, it was probably the biggest thing that's changed for me. Does our resident time. Viking expert have anything to say about <laughs> cultures where the fandoms are The endless screaming there is, in fact, me uh, and my entire field. Uh, but no, I'm actually going to have a different take uh, on, you know, being a streamer and how you like do history in games. Because, you know, that's actually the thing that I... I'm a published author on not any of my Viking stuff, uh, but right when I started, right, I had this idea that you had to like play the whole game through in advance because then you have to do a whole bunch of research and figure it all out, and then the expectation is that you present a really coherent, well-argued thing. Right. That you have to, like, unravel the whole game. <laughs> exactly. Just yeah. have a comprehensive memory of the entire game and all of the, res like, retrofit all the research that went into it. Uh, and then you present the knowledge unto them. And I still sometimes feel this way, especially with games that are in my academic niche. But something I've kind of learned over two years of doing this is... You know, the process is actually a thing a lot of people find super compelling. Uh, and the, the idea that you can be like, huh, that's weird. Let's just like sit here for 15 minutes while I'm looking stuff up on camera and highlight the process of like, how do you do that? And the idea that like showcasing that skill set is itself like a really useful form of media criticism. And yeah. the really behind the scenes, not just the product of the analysis, but how you do it. Like, that's something that I've found has been really compelling for at least my community, I think, is I think a lot of, like, streamers and history YouTube channels, like, just don't necessarily realize how compelling it can be. 
Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's completely mm -hmm. antithetical to the way that we present a video because I wouldn't post a video of me researching the topic, but yeah. in the context of a stream, it is so cool to see someone going through the process. And recently with, with, with the guests that you've had on who have been very polite and very knowledgeable, but also very humble about their own skill sets in a way that like only really smart professorial people are, <laughs> I've found it's like, okay, you know, they say, oh, you know, I don't really know all that much. I just know how to find stuff. It's like, okay. But seeing someone be in the situation where it's like, oh, I hold on, I've got something on this. Let's go dig this up. Let me go pull up JSTOR in the middle of a stream and then actually <laughs> go through that process is more impressive to show where a streamers in this case, like innate, just casual knowledge that they have on hand at all times ends, but where the ability that they have to find and acquire knowledge on a moment's notice for a certain argument reaches towards. I don't know if I, I use the yep. right tenses all the way through that, but it's a cool thing to actually it's... see that process unfolding because it all happens behind the paper, behind the video essay, and it's cool to bring yeah. that out. And yeah. It's funny you mentioned the bringing of JSTOR specifically in the middle of the stream because that happened with Pentiment on the first day, and yep. the director of the game tweeted about <laughs> it being very happy that it happened. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, terrifying. Uh, all right, well, we've got a bunch of other questions to get through today. Uh, this one comes from SpaceCatStar56 to Yellow. You probably get this question a lot, but how did you get interested in history? Oh boy, uh, I blame my parents, as I think most hey. of us do. Uh, I've probably since I was about five, basically as soon as I could start reading, uh, we had collections of mythology, and I was actually homeschooled uh, growing up all the way up until high school, and so well, there was a lot of self-directed curriculum stuff. Um, technically, it was an online charter school, so there was at least some semblance of structure. Uh, but part of our curriculum then was that every summer we'd go on a big giant field trip. Uh, mm, all cool. my entire family loading into a minivan, driving somewhere. And so I think the most significant one was right when we were doing the Revolutionary War in sixth grade or fifth grade history. We went and we hit Colonial Williamsburg and Yorktown and Philadelphia, and Lexington and Concord, and we did the entire, right, we did the entire Eastern Seaboard of Revolutionary War sites, and seeing all of those, like, physical places, and in the case of Colonial Williamsburg, right, people wandering around, enacting in all costume. of this, well, yeah. in costume, you know, we run around in the mud making bricks, as every eight-year-old does, uh, and then, Right, at that point it's pretty well, well, I won't say that it was pretty well, that was when it locked it in, um, because I did terrify a tour guide at Mount Vernon by knowing way too much about the Marquis de Lafayette already at that point. So, Before you Hamilton know, too, that's what makes it impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I know, decades before Hamilton. Uh, so, you know, I was already a lost cause, but that made me really a lost cause. <laughs> I also went to Colonial Williamsburg as a youth, although I'd also been to several Renaissance fairs at that point and found the whole thing rather underwhelming as a result. Uh, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Where's the dragons? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's oh. hot and everyone's dressed in really boring clothes, but I can buy this cool <laughs> fife. That's nice. Exactly. I still have that fife, thank you. I also still have that fife. <laughs> <laughs> they never go away. I always find that really funny when people like, had to make very specific trips to some of these colonial sites because I grew up in and around Philly. Right. And so basically right? every school field trip. Shocking. Uh, <laughs> I got put on blast for this on a recent rolling with difficulty recording that's not up yet too. Uh, but no, every field trip we would go on from like the elementary school through middle school was to some colonial and or civil war site because like Gettysburg is a reasonable drive yeah. from the greater Philly area. So just like I, I grew up steeped in this. And so every time someone's like, yeah, we took like a very purposeful family trip to go see the Betsy Ross house. I'm like, why? <laughs> but it is. It's, these historical sites can be really cool to like walk through and experience yeah, um, yeah and when you Philly, live in like denver it's a little bit it's a little bit harder uh to get out and casually <laughs> yes. see them yeah. no yeah. it does make a lot of sense 
<laughs> everything in the 13 original colonies is actually really close together because they, they hadn't mm-hmm. yet outgrown their European origins of everything's at least, <laughs> like, at most an hour away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Because, like, living in Philly, like, revolutionary and Civil War stuff just accosts you on the street. Constantly. Yeah. I know multiple people who have been the tour guides that have to dress up and walk around all the historical sites, like, in character. Like, I, every actor I know has done that at some point. They lived in yeah. Philly. So in that's my like... mind, it is hard to take those things and separate them. Because I'm like, no, that's a guy I know. That's so my... funny. That's, like, the equivalent of, like, if you're a waiter in California, you're probably an aspiring actor. It's, like, the, the, the yeah. rite of passage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, if you're a tour guide, you probably have dreams of Broadway. This is not what the question was, but my favorite memory of, of being, like, in so much history stuff in Philadelphia was when my dad Tell and I Tell me more about the city of tour. Philadelphia, Blue. That's, we're yeah, changing gears. So, this is my yeah, question so, to all of you. So we were on a, a, a walking tour of downtown Philadelphia, as you do with everybody impersonating mm-hmm. all, all the guys, whole, whole gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the boys uh, just signing some declarations of like, fuck the king or whatever. Heck yeah, um, the brass statues and, in the Constitution Center, impeccable. Yeah, oh, yep, exactly. That, that one staircase when Jefferson's like, hey, Franklin, this whole like pursuit of property thing, like kind of kind of gauche, a little cappy, uh, maybe pursuit <laughs> of happiness. Um, but the the dinner was delayed because of for some reason. So this Jefferson impersonator just like started just like spitting some facts for an hour, like just delaying all of us. So eventually after that, we had our meal and I was like, hey, uh, Mr. Jefferson, to, to fight against uh, the British, do you think that we should go and invade England? He's like, you know, no one's proposed that. But it could work. He's like, would that be a good strategy to win the war? He's like, I don't, I don't know if we have manpower to divert for that one, but you know, we can always give it a shot. <laughs> wow. Just go ask the French. I'm sure they'll be happy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Going to start a new Philadelphia walking tour company that just reenacts the portion of national treasure that takes place in Philly. It's like you too can experience say... how much they condense the distance between Independence Hall and Reading Terminal Market. It still yeah. bugs me. Okay, uh, but they've, they've, <laughs> I can't. I can't believe no one's done that yet. Oh, I'm sure it exists. It probably exactly. exists. I haven't seen enough oh, Nick Cage impersonators on the street of Philadelphia. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. I like the part of National <laughs> Treasure that happened in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite bit of that movie is the joke where they're like, do you have eyes on him, sir? It's the Hudson. Nothing is visible. Because no, I was like, yeah, visible. the Hudson. It is hard to see through that water. Anyway. Yeah, that came up on the uh, Movie Struck episode about National Treasure. So we're not going to go on it. But uh, we've got more questions to get through before <laughs> yeah. this becomes just uh, inadvertently Indigo Hijacks the podcast to talk about Philadelphia for more time. Uh, this oh, question boy. comes from Marsh to all. Who has the YouTube play buttons? Oh, I have both of them, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's like a form we could have allegedly filled out to get more copies of it, but I just don't think we did that. Here's so. the thing. I, I considered um, doing that when we got to a million, but it's $400, and I don't care enough to get a, a, a second one. So it's like I, I, I'll just go over to Red's house and see it. Yeah. We'll yeah. get you some, like, we'll get like, cra- uh, cardboard and like craft paper, and we'll make you a little replica of it that you can hang up in your office. Aww. Honestly, yeah. if, if it came in like a smaller version, I'd love that. I like tiny yeah. versions. Yeah, of like a things. desk mount one. Yeah, because yeah. like I'll I'll spend four thousand dollars on a travertine marble coffee table you that I'm going to obliterate my shins on. You but four hundred dollars for a gold play anyway. button commemorating an impressive career? Absolutely not. I'm buying neither of those things for the record. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh boy. Well, let's set the record straight and some more things with some more questions. This one comes from insert name here. For all, do you know any languages besides English? Define I guess go, no. Go. <laughs> so fluently, understand. N- no. Any to any degree. <laughs> yes, but only if it's understand and not speak fluently. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's. Yeah. Uh, I am a professional dabbler in languages. I know a snippet of about a dozen. I know enough to get through a conversation in English and on a very good day Icelandic. Hmm. Yeah, I. Nice. Because I've, I've done a lot of, like, languages in class popping around, so I did French, and then Latin, and then uh, Italian, and then Ancient Greek, 
And then I had some, like, kitchen Greek from going to visit, you know, my grandparents every year. So, mm-hmm. like, enough to not starve in a house, but not enough to get anything done. Um, but then, of course, having studied some ancient Greek, like, yeah, like, I can read a little bit of the New Testament, but don't make me order food at a restaurant. <laughs> I don't know the right verb forms for casual conversation. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, the only one that I would say I can speak is Italian. But even still, if you talk back at me a little too fast, I'm gone. Uh. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I have yep. trouble yeah. understanding conversational English if too many people are talking at once. Don't add another language on top of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's I learned Spanish. Into, like, I like to say, um, oh, no, please. Yeah, uh, I learned Spanish uh, all through middle and high school. Not that that means I can speak it. Uh, I can sort of <laughs> understand it. Uh, I learned, I took a year of Japanese and I've had it on Duolingo, uh, ever since. So I know a bit of it, but of course the hardest part with reading Japanese specifically is knowing what the fuck all the kanji mean. And that is not something I've ever learned, which means I'm like, oh, this sentence has the possessive particle in it. Good work, me. (laughs) So that's all I got. Um, and I, uh, I I took a quarter of uh, middle Egyptian, which is not very helpful. Uh, for modern stuff, but I do, I now know enough that with a reference dictionary, I can usually piece my way through a sentence and kind of get the general (laughs) gist, which is how you learn that a lot of Egyptian scribes made typos, which is horrible. It's so annoying. It's like, Uh, what the fuck does this mean? Oh, it means that this scribe wrote the wrong bird. (laughs) Cool. Uh, I I had some friends who were working through some, like, a 15th century Latin manuscript, and they were just like, they couldn't figure out what the heck it was doing. And eventually they were just like, what if the scribe was just, like, really bad? And then it made perfect sense, and they were furious about it. (laughs) Yeah. And I have uh, have tried and failed to learn ASL. Uh, I believe in preschool I actually had a teacher that uh, taught us some of it. And then I think someone uh, mixed up which class I was in because they pushed me on stage with another class that was doing a performance of a song, singing it and with ASL, and I didn't know what the hell I was supposed to do. So that's right. I literally lived a nightmare, (laughs) but I was so young I barely understood it. Uh, So that's why I'm not good at ASL. Yeah, I like to say I'm functional but not fluent in Mandarin. Um, I did double major <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> so I have a degree in Chinese language and literature and I've been studying it. <laughs> I'd been studying it since the seventh grade. Um, but if you tried it, like I, I could I could find a place to live. I could probably find an entry level job and like feed myself. But if you ask me to have a high level conversation of any kind, it's game over. And it has only gotten worse since I don't have to take a mandatory language class three days a week in college. Practice your languages, kids. Um, mm. so that's that's all I got it. in English. That is yeah. the thing. Like, if with with a little bit of like exposure or just like you know getting steeped in the language with, for like TV or, or you know traveling to a place. I find it tends to come back quicker than you'll think it will. But yeah. as soon as you're out and you're not using it, it is gone. Oh, when I, uh, oh yeah. When, when I went to high school, uh, I was assessed for how well I could speak Spanish by basically I just had a teacher come in and hold a conversation with me and like slowly incorporate more in it, you know, vocabulary and sentence structures and mm-hmm. basically be like, okay, this is where you lose it. Cool, we'll, we'll put you in this class. The problem was... Earlier that year, I had spent a week in Mexico in like a full immersion by force kind of thing because uh, our our middle school just kind of did that. So my Spanish had like just through raw adrenaline and panic like leveled up significantly, but only temporarily. So I ended up testing into a class that was probably much too advanced for what I was actually capable of comfortably, uh, which was fun. That was a fun problem to have <laughs> for the entirety of high school. Yeah. Yeah. Fun stuff. Regular, uh, we cover a few bases on the OSP crew. Not everything, but enough of them. Mm. (laughs) Uh, We got another question coming at you, though. This is coming from Wandering Soul. To Yellow, have you ever considered writing a book of your own Norse slash Scandinavian history or mythology? I know I already asked this, but I thought it was worth asking in here, too. Uh, Well, I'm not opposed to the possibility. Right now, I don't have any plans for that. Um, Partially, the, you know, if I'm writing a book for a general audience, right, you got to make it in some way, um, make sure it does something different, right? There's five quadrillion translations of our sources for Norse mythology out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're translated by better, better scholars and better philologists than I am. Uh, so there's nothing I'd add to that conversation. Uh, in terms of the, like, making some other, like a more scholarly book, I also just don't have the like research material that 
gets big enough to make a book out of. I could, I, my master's thesis was 50 pages. That was, that's about as much as that master's thesis could take uh, before I was just adding stuff in for the sake of it. <laughs> so right now I don't really have any plans for that, but yeah, I'm not, uh, no. If, if I go back into academia proper, I'm not opposed to that idea. But right now, uh, right, I've put out enough hours where if I was just doing research at that time, it would be a book. Uh, but yeah. it's all been on stream, in the public, where I get to actually talk to people and do the teaching stuff that I find much more fun right now than purely just grinding away at a book. So yeah. I don't want to spend that time. Yeah, there, there is books worth of content on the assembled library of your stream VODs, but it's streams and it's, it's presented in such a way that there, there's no way to to like take a transcript of that and turn it into a book it's nah. it is so paired to the medium of streaming that it sorry cleo's doing some more crime in the other room that it wouldn't work any other way <laughs> nice yeah absolutely uh this next question comes from tomato cannot into productive to all ever 100 percent completed a game in any way Yes. Hundred percent completion. Hundred percent so. uh, completion. I I hunted Legends of Zelda Twilight Princess when I was in high school. Um, you did all the bugs. Yeah. Wow. All every single stupid bug. Yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I did the quest line in Twilight Princess, but I got too invested in saving my girl Midna and then my girl Zelda. Mm -hmm. Both both my girls. So I, that's I, fair. I I didn't have time to catch bugs, man. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'm not intentionally I'm hundred. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm not no, intentionally hundred percenting Breath of the Wild, but I am. Uh, the first time I played through it, I once again got far too invested in saving my girl Zelda, so I kind of just sped through it as quickly as I could. Uh, <laughs> but now I, I, it's been long enough, and I'm taking my sweet time. You know, I'm getting all the memories. Uh, I mean, I got all the memories last time because otherwise it's not the true ending. You know, uh, okay. but um, mm -hmm. I, I'm sort of finding all the shrines, and I don't think I'm gonna become that person who like looks up the full map of like where's every fucking Korok, where's every single shrine, because I. That's oh, nine hundred of them though absolutely not but i am having <laughs> fun uh just sort of no no we're not doing that but i am i am enjoying myself just sort of slowly you know making my way through getting stronger getting more hearts stuff like that um i think the only game i ever like 100 completed was fucking final ninja and final ninja zero on nitrome back in middle school uh, <laughs> i was the best final ninja yeah. um but that the was a flash game ninja. I was the finalist ninja. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was a Flash game, so I don't think it counts. Hey, they said any game in any way. It counts. Yeah. Nah. yeah. I've 100%ed I've a handful of them because that's, if I really like a game, that's how I like to experience it after the first playthroughs. I'll go back and do everything. So um, the, the quick ones, Journey, Abzu, very easy to 100%. They're short. But I have 100%ed Assassin's Creed 1, 2, Brotherhood, Revelations, 3, Four uh -huh. and Rogue, uh -huh. and Shock. I stopped at <laughs> Unity because I didn't want to play through it a second time. And then I only played through Origins once. I only played through Odyssey, uh, Odyssey once, and I stopped partway through Valhalla because it sucks. Um, but I have 100% all the other games in the series. Uh, the, you know the mainline games. I think I've percent 100% of Bloodlines too, but that's a PSP game. It doesn't count. Mm. Um, and most of them are actually kind of fun to do because there's a, a really nice you know variety of, of tasks and missions and things and stuff. So it's actually fun and enjoyable and it's only like a 50 hour commitment to 100% those games as opposed to like you know later beating the main story is a 130 hour commitment so Sheesh. I yeah. like games that it's like this is going to be like a month long project for me to play but it's not going to be in Sano mode. Yeah. Actually, I think I did the whole World of Light run in Smash Bros. Ultimate uh, just mm. to unlock all the characters because I didn't realize you could unlock them by not doing that. Um, so <laughs> I played through 75% of that friggin' map before they let me have my boy Ike. Um, anyway. True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm exactly the kind of person, like, completionist to heart that I, like, I need to see every possible variant and option that the story could take. So this new wave of <gasps> branching storylines and games in my personal <laughs> circle of hell. Yes! Because, <laughs> goddammit, I will see every pot. I'm not looking up a YouTube compilation that shows me this route. I am going to see it in my game. Uh, so the God. only game I've ever 100% completed, com completed was Skyrim. Uh because I just only played that in high school. <laughs> I just went through every possible quest line, every route. I chose every dialogue option. I found every object. It was, and the DLC. This is, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. I don't <laughs> recommend it. 
<laughs> it's not the most fun way to play the game. Uh, but I'm constantly haunted every time. I really like the Fire Emblem series. And in that game, yeah. uh, you can have supports with different characters. And one of my favorite games when I was younger was the Sacred Stones, in which you can only have five support levels. <laughs> per run through. So I had to keep playing the game with different combinations of characters getting to different support levels until I had managed to, I had a spreadsheet before like I knew what Excel was as a kid. I had like a binder page where I was like putting in character names to match them up with their support levels to see how many I could knock out in a run. I didn't finish it. Uh, it's still somewhere that that, that file is sitting around uh, haunting me, but yeah. Uh, don't 100% complete, percent complete something unless it's fun for you. Don't, don't do what I'm doing. You don't have if to be you, here. If you or a loved one is <laughs> contemplating 100% completing Skyrim or a similar RPG, yeah. call the number on your screen. There is help for you. <laughs> There's a better way, and I just don't know it. I can't. I, I know I, the better I, way. I, gotta I do it. the better way. I play through Skyrim with all the the wide-eyed innocence of somebody who's never played a video game before. So when the game tells me to do something, I go and do it, which is how I ended up in the DLC Souls Time quest, way too underleveled because they <gasps> like they send an assassin after you immediately <gasps> after you get out of the starting town, and they were like, yeah, "Oh, there's do. like a like a zombie dragonborn you got to go deal with," and I was like, "Oh gosh, that sounds serious. Obviously, yeah, I'm gonna go check it out." Headed yeah. over to Saul's time, uh, kept dying to those fucking squid things in the Lovecraft dimension. And when I looked up how to beat them, the game was just like, these should go down in a few hits. And I was like, they don't. So, yeah. <laughs> they advertised the Saul's time quest line to you so aggressively. No, so they just sent a couple guys so after me to kill me. And then they had a letter on them that was like, kill this person, signed I, the other the, Dragonborn the, guy. I, I was like, like, oh, like, the no. thing is, like, I mean, when the DLC came out, aggressive. that would have made sense because, like, if you had only played the base game and then you added the DLC, DLC. Well, we gotta know how the intro is. But if you, anyone after that initial release is like, they're just immediately telling me to uh, go join up with the Dawn Guard and to run over to Solstein and defeat yeah, another yeah. Dragonborn it's, in it's single one combat. Of like, mm -hmm. It's one of like two or three active quest lines you will have at that point. So it's like, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> I play every game by typically uh, following the main quest line until I get bored and then I find the closest mountain and I start climbing it, which is why Breath of the Wild is the ideal game and uh, Skyrim <laughs> routinely punishes me by throwing dragons at my face, uh, <laughs> which is how I yeah. kept getting all these Daedric quests without realizing at one point I was like getting blasted by a dragon and I just raided the trunk really quickly so and like get all the stuff. How maybe I've had to play through this game a few times in order to fulfill yeah, the yeah. deep, deep need inside of me to know everything and see it all. That's um, what the wiki is for. No, the wiki is for quitters. Okay, jeez. Uh, we have time for one last question here today More before like I return to my eternal quest. Hey, what a mess. Before we return to our uh, my endless quest to see every possible support conversation before the new Fire Emblem game comes out, uh, this comes from <laughs> Wolf626. Two, red, blue, and yellow. If each of you could hang out with a Norse god for a day, which would you choose? Pass. Pass. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a degree of this. I'd also be running the other direction, TBH. <laughs> Not a popular crew to hang with. Is there like a god of parties? <laughs> Just, I mean, least. yes, Ayr. Uh, Great. Ayr, Ayr hosts all the parties. Uh, also may have you know, tried to get Thor killed by um, setting out to go fish something much too large and steal a kettle. Perfect. Uh, but, I know, refuse to fish on principle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Idon, the goddess of the apples that keep the Norse gods young. That's fair. She hmm. seems like a party. She seems very friendly. She gets kidnapped one time. Very standard stuff. A uh, bit of a Princess Peach situation. Uh, yeah. And also, she has apples that make you immortal. So you know, probably could make a win. really banging apple pie with her. Like that'd be probably, a great way yeah. to pass an uh, afternoon. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Ethan I think is just extremely cottagecore. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's I, just I think, hanging out. I think yeah, Ethan and her husband Bragi are almost certainly the only correct yeah, choice. Yeah. Exactly. Got a poetry, etc. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So well, everyone, cool. everyone you guys else like gets pissed off, throws things transforms, smashes things, and, and or commits sneaky murder. Yeah. Gets yeah. mad, turns into a bear, destroys everything, refuses to elaborate, turns into a salmon, leaves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Ugh. Well, 
with that uh, quick selection of Norse gods and goddesses, uh, I suppose, Red, that leaves only one thing for you to do today. To 100% Uh complete this podcast, you must do the outro. Uh, Can you handle Mm. this? I don't know. I I feel like it would be significantly more fun for me to pick a random direction and keep going until something funny happens. As long happens. as you go in that direction with a microphone while you are also saying the outro, <laughs> you can run as much as you want. Aw, shucks. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, we'll be back in two weeks with another fun-filled episode of the OzPod, as we affectionately refer to it. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was worried uh, it wasn't catching on <laughs> and then I started saying it in the outro. <laughs> it's just fun. Uh, but yeah, if you have a question, uh, check out the Ask OS Pod channel on Discord. Uh, feel free to add more to the ever growing list of what? Several hundred questions at this point in the backlog, something like that. The spreadsheet. Uh, I've only heard about it in Legends. Um, uh, we'll also, as always, be back on Friday with more videos. Uh, also, check out uh, the currently going Ludo History God of War streams because those are an absolute party. Uh, and check out the pins on Crowdmate if you haven't already. And I think that about covers it. So until next time, I've been Red. I've been Blue. And I've been Adam, a.k.a. Lino History, a.k.a. Yellow. (laughs) And this has been an Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on December 14th with another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then, feel free to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and our guest, Adam, a.k.a. Yellow, a.k.a. Ludo History's content can be found in the show notes below.